and welcome to Spotlight with Sandhya. It's important to listen to people who have a different take on things, whose line of thinking is quite different from that of popular opinion, especially when they can back their statements with solid research. Joining us on the show today is an expert on public policy, public finance and international relations. And he's of the opinion that Prime Minister Narendra Modi can be faulted for some, but not all his decisions concerning the pandemic. Let's hear from Pranay Otastani, the Deputy Director of the Takshashila Institution. Interestingly, Pranay was an engineer before moving to public policy research. Hi Pranay and welcome to the program. Thank you Sandhya, thanks a lot for inviting me. Okay, let's get straight to it with these vaccine policy, you know, especially the vaccine diplomacy. Uh, most people, including me, I have to admit, were against this. And we thought, why is our country giving away vaccines that could be used for our own people? And true enough, in the last few months, our worst fears have come true and we are living through it with a dearth of vaccines for Indians. But you have a different opinion and you say that uh, the vaccine diplomacy is a good thing. Can you explain that? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, before I begin, I should say that, you know, my day job is that of a policy analyst. And one of the cardinal rules uh, to analyze policy is that we analyze policies by their consequences and not by their intentions or by the political parties in charge. Right. So uh, which means I can hold two opposite views about the same government, depending on the policy that we are talking about, right? Uh, and it's a very difficult concept for many people to understand. Because when I uh, say that vaccine diplomacy was uh, a better policy, people might think that, you know, I'm supporting one government or a party or something like that. So that that out of the way, first of all, yeah, the, this government has faltered in many ways in the pandemic response. And the fact that there are thousands of people dying still day uh, every day just shows the seriousness of the problem and the fact that we should hold our government responsible for a lot of things that we haven't. But what I felt is that we were focusing on the less important issues and we were dissipating our criticism uh, on the areas that are super important. So that's why I thought sort of wrote an article saying that there are three different things that we are focusing on and they are not the most important one right now. Okay. So now let me begin on vaccine diplomacy itself. Now, in retrospect, yes, it seems like a big mistake, right? And that's the dominant narrative. Uh, but I think it was a gamble that the government took for the right reasons. And probably it has gone wrong in retrospect. Okay. So let me look at it from two different lenses. One is a realist, hard-nosed realist lens, and one is an ethical lens. And I'll try to make my point from both angles. So first, consider the situation when this began, right? Like, uh, the government uh, at that point of time, remember, the, the point was not that there is a shortage of vaccine doses. The point was that there is excess of uh, vaccine supply. And in fact, there was a fear that many of these doses will go waste, right? Because there was just 1.5 million uptake every 
uh, day there were it was only open to the priority sector um, essential uh, services etc right so in in fact there were lots of vaccines which were there and there, there wasn't enough demand uh, right in the initial stages so that was when this vaccine diplomacy started and i think the role was that the government was trying to signal the positive role that the uh, that india can play in the world order right uh, remember india is a big manufacturing vaccine manufacturing powerhouse and i it was a calculation that you know india can contribute to the world in a positive way in this particular area right in many other areas we are not good at manufacturing but in this area we were so the idea was yeah why not do that especially for the countries which are in our neighborhood countries which look up to india for support right so i think that was the aim and if you look at the facts also right uh, uh, the amount of total vaccines which were given as gifts were totally 10 million you know that just amounts to like 5 days of uh, extra vaccination at the current rate right just 5 days uh, and the rest of the majority in fact 35 million doses were uh, given through the commercial contract routes and it would have been really uh, foolhardy for the government to have blocked commercial exports at that particular point of time because uh, remember these vaccines are not as if uh, for especially covid shield the technology comes from outside right if india were to block supplies to the others then it would have had to pay a lot of price going down the line right now remember we are asking for vaccine raw material supply other countries could have blocked it because we did the same a uh, few months back right so i think it was a a a gamble that the government took and for india's own national interest you know i don't even i'm not even bringing the ethical argument at this point i'm just saying that the government said that you know this is one way where india can play a positive role uh and uh, that's what it, it tried to do uh, and they did a bit of it through the gifts route uh, and most of it was through the commercial route right so this was like the realist argument the second argument is ethical uh, lens so even if you look at it ethically those vaccine doses did save lives right like it was not as if they went to waste so you can also claim that you know i mean even if you are from a humanitarian or liberal point of view that it did save lives right so i would say that uh, also should be not forgotten now uh, yeah uh, so what where am i uh, getting at i'm not saying that the union government wasn't wrong and in fact it must be held accountable uh, for uh, its mistakes what i'm saying is that it's important to identify what the mistake was and i think the original sin here was especially this that the government just didn't imagine that the second wave would hit and would hit this big even though it hit all other countries right everyone we knew that us had faced two uh, or three uh, waves by then and the government just ignored that point right and i think that's where Uh, the main thing is of course we also ran into a bad luck that there was a new variant in fact two new variants which affected india and that's why the second wave was really really more serious but regardless government has great uh, money at its disposal it has great expertise at its disposal it didn't he pay heed to that and i think that's where the mistake really lies i'll just say that Uh, you know it's important to internalize uh, the right lessons because what happens is if we are going to say 
uh, India should never do vaccine diplomacy or India shouldn't do any of these uh, things in uh, uh, when the world is in uh, problems, then we are actually, uh, uh, that's not how international relations work. In fact, every big power, every great power will try to pitch in in, in humanitarian relief, even though there might be its own citizens who are affected, you know, so that's the how the norms have evolved. And uh, that's what uh, India was doing. You know, it's in some ways, it is the same as saying India shouldn't go to space because we are poor, right? I mean, yeah, we can do different things. And why shouldn't we do that? So uh, also, there's this angle, you know, people in the foreign policy community, especially, they have really long retention of certain incidents. So they will say, no, India shouldn't do go anywhere abroad. Because remember, in 1989 or 80s, how uh, Indian peacekeeping force in Sri Lanka uh, faced a failure. So uh, the idea is, if we internalize that lesson, we are just going to say, never again should India do anything positive until and unless it has done everything domestically, which is not quite practical, you know. So that, that was like my long argument. Fair enough. I want to touch upon a paper that you and your colleagues had written in December. You know, I think you proposed a plan to vaccinate 80% of Indians by the end of this year. That was before the vaccines were rolled out. Now that the vaccines have rolled out, and I don't see even 30% of Indians being vaccinated by the end of the year, going by what we've been experiencing. So where do you think the government went wrong? And is there any way at all they can salvage the situation now? Yeah. Uh, thanks for that question. So that was a paper that a multidisciplinary team at Takshashila had come up with. So there were biologists, lawyers, public policy analysts, economists working together on this. And the idea back then was, in fact, the paper actually came out in August, September. So it was way before uh, any of these vaccines were uh, uh, we knew that the vaccines would be coming out so early. The thinking was just that even if the science sorts itself out, the real challenge will be the public policy challenge, right? How do you distribute these vaccines? So, yeah, so that was our uh, main uh, thought process behind it. Uh, and we divided into stages. How do we distribute it? How do we secure supply? How do we prioritize? And how do we finally track uh, people who've been given these vaccines, right? So there were these four or five st stages. I think where the government really went wrong was in the second stage, which was securing supply. You know, so uh, there were a lot of things that the government could have done. So for example, our paper also says that one uh, strike quick agreements with foreign vaccine manufacturers. Remember US, etc. did this even before the trial data and results were out, right? So they took a bet. Uh, we didn't, you know, we thought, yeah, maybe we will uh, get along and muddle our way through. So that was uh, one thing. The second one was uh, the government could play a big role in actually incentivizing vaccine manufacturing within India as well, because you need a lot of money, you need a lot of uh, research to go on, you need facilities, you need raw materials, which are not necessarily made in India. So you, it, there's a big government role to help some of our vaccine manufacturers to uh, over 
override these constraints and quickly produce vaccines right so that again was not done we saw what uh, uh, the ceo of uh, sii mentioned about the fact that they were not getting raw materials etc right so i think that was uh, one more issue that we didn't sort out the third one was uh, mainly on intellectual property rights etc as well i think if the government would have said that you know Uh, if uh, some vaccine has been approved by fda or some such reputed agency elsewhere we'll just take it in india we'll not do any trials we'll emergency we'll authorize it for emergency use that's by the way still not done right i mean the current uh, debate that moderna and pfizer are having they are not supplying to the states because they are saying the union government has not even uh, uh, is not clear on two issues in fact one whether they have to do a trial in india also or not uh that uh, most countries waved that off uh, but india is still confused about it and uh, of course a uh, uh, second issue was also about liability and who is liable if something goes wrong most countries again said the governments took the responsibility but government is still uh, not committed to that issue right so they are saying you know why the hell should i get into it there are enough buyers outside the world at this stage so that's my point i think the key uh, mistake we went was on securing supply uh, distribution also has its problems uh, but i don't think that's the main constraint as of now it will start becoming the main constraint uh, once our supply rises so the biggest problem was that it failed to take a decision on procuring the vaccines early enough and even now it's lagging its speed and basically just burying its head in the sand and thinking it's going to go away somehow because it, i don't see anybody addressing this issue at all that's yeah, a and uh, sandeep i would just add that I, now with the situation that we are in uh, and given the raw materials are not in uh, supply on many of these things we are looking at a slow pace for some time you know so it's not going to be that suddenly two months down the line all of us are going to get get vaccinated even if the government does everything it can starting now so uh, best case estimates that i read from some of the papers were that by august we'll hit uh, 20 crore doses run rate so it will be every month you will have 20 crore doses so that still means you know 5 6 months uh, in fact for one dose and in fact it will maybe around 13 months to cover the entire population so that's the reality of the situation that we are in now unfortunately let's talk about something other than uh, the vaccine policy but something which concerns the funding for the vaccine one of the aspects is that the government has not enough funds to deal with the crisis not just for the vaccines but in providing adequate healthcare in my opinion the government should have made available free healthcare to every affected patient that seems really like a pipe dream at this point while all this is happening the central vista project is being built this great monument which is already contentious enough because of the historic and the um, you know the architectural value of the buildings that have been raised to make way for it and its cost Twenty thousand crores of rupees. Now, most people are asking, why are you going ahead and building that? Why can't you use that money for vaccine, for COVID relief, for uh, I don't know, maybe injecting stimulus into the economy? Many, many uses for that money. 
but you think the central vista project should not be stopped at this point could you care to explain why do you think that yeah i'll qualify that i didn't say that the uh, central vista project shouldn't be stopped i said that the economic argument being used for it doesn't make sense so yeah you're right there are in fact the environmental impact assessment has not been done for some things the heritage angle is also there and i am not qualified to judge that but i am a public finance student so i was only tackling this argument that you know this money can be used somewhere else you know that i don't think makes sense the reason why is first of all that 20000 crores is not being spent this year right it is over many many years uh, also it's for uh, building a parliament as well we are going to have a much bigger parliament after the 2031 census so uh, i mean it's a priority of the government for some reason and i i don't have any good reason to say why it shouldn't be done for money reason so that's sort of the one point the the second thing is you know it might make sense from a political perspective but uh, just by saving 2000 crores rupees this uh, month uh, this year we are not going to suddenly magically create new hospitals or magically create new uh, oxygen cylinders you know the problem is not money the problem is elsewhere right there are supply constraints or there are raw materials which are not available and things like that right so in fact as i said the this 2000 crore is just 0.05% of the union government budget just by saving you 0.05% budget i don't think we are going to do great things so second point is unlike a household where we have our money supply is limited right we can't live beyond our means and maybe beyond our credit cards but not for a long time but it's not like that with the state state lives forever right it's almost semi permanent so a state can always run deficits and in fact that's what governments do so uh, governments can always monetize deficit which means effectively printing money when they are uh, short in, uh, when they really need uh, money, uh, money and i think this current scenario that we are in a raging pandemic is a good enough case for the government to actually do whatever it takes to get vaccines you know and uh, and that would require much much more money than uh, what we are talking about 2000 crore is actually chump change for a uh, union government really you know so uh, it's i think uh, central vista project is important to debate in other respects but its connection from an economic perspective to covid-19 is uh, quite weak you know uh, uh, the, uh, whether you do it or you don't do it it's not going to solve your uh, basic problem which is lack of healthcare facilities all right so i'm going to refer to a couple of other publications that you have either written or edited and i want you to dwell upon a some interesting uh, issues from there you know um there's this paper uh, an agenda for india to prosper in a post covid world and i think you co-edited reshaping the post pandemic world order one of the things that came up was that there is likely to be two blocks in scenario 1 which is a good scenario where india has sufficient power and if it's handled its internal issues well it can actually walk a delicate balance between us and china or if it has become weak enough it has to go along with the us now what is your uh, prediction which way do you think india is going to go right thanks for reading the paper <laughs> so yeah uh, right so 
yeah that that was a scenario analysis which we done uh, looking at where india is going after this pandemic and what would be the implications from an international relations perspective and the sort of two scenarios were that yeah if uh, our economy kick starts again we are again on a high growth trajectory then we are we are sort of a better swing power right by swing power i mean we should be able to this is a term coined by my senior colleague nitin pai so the idea was that uh, a swing power is a one which is able to uh, deliver sufficient pain or sufficient pleasure depending on uh, who the side is you know and uh, whichever side it is on is the winning side right so that's what a swing power is uh, now what has happened uh, with india is uh with the economy growing going down and with 2021 again being uh, not a great year what we are going to see is that if you look at this pain versus pleasure thing uh, india will still be important from the fact that it can deliver a lot of benefits to other countries right just because the market is huge it's still a growing uh, economy it's still that there are young people uh the uh, population is going to still increase so you know demand will still grow market will grow and many countries would court india just for that right so uh india can still deliver benefits uh, to many countries but it's the second part delivering pain which has sort of reduced because of what has happened right so how do you deliver pain i mean just look at how china does right because it is supplying to uh, many players it is supplying 5g equipment etc you know it can do a lot of things just because of its economic heft but we are being constrained because of that right so uh, the our ability to deliver pain to a country which is not acting according to our interest has sort of reduced and for that reason what we had argued is that it is better if if this scenario occurs it is better for india to actually take help not just of the us but any other country which can quickly accelerate its economic trajectory right so currently the geopolitical climate is such that everyone's uh, Ch- china has angered everyone uh, many countries rather and other countries are ready to take on china so that's the opportunity for india you know like if uh, there's a quad grouping formed and that quad grouping wants to take over uh, take on china and in return india is able to take advantage of this quad for its own benefit and for building its own economic power we should do it you know and, and the main point is again like i told you that there is this retention from the past that plays out in foreign policy even here it's this we have a very negative connotation of the us uh, in our foreign policy circles you know that if we do anything with the us we are going back to the colonial times or we are doing uh, their job uh, and we are you know sort of one level lower than them such things are there i don't think that's any point i mean india is a big enough power still and uh, every country in the world recognizes that so it's just about uh, us not letting those old notions come in the way of uh, forming stronger partnerships with the western countries and for our own benefit you know that's what i my argument would be like the millennials would say move on man that's what you would like yeah. to tell our foreign policy makers on that note when you say the whole world has been angered by china and they would like to take it on our neighbor down south sri lanka is suddenly using china and it's going to be a, a strong point of contention for india isn't it 
just the recent one where they're going to have that entire harbor city bankrolled by china isn't it going to be a threat to india yeah so that's humban tota right and that itself has run into a lot of difficulties but you know there, there is a difference you know so small states and india state there is a big big difference you know so uh, when you take look at all the all of india's neighbors uh, nepal bhutan bangladesh bangladesh to a lesser extent sri lanka all these are smaller states which had really which still have really really close connections with india and after the economies have sort of uh, moved to a liber- liberalization path it perfectly makes sense for a small state to play two big players against each other for their own benefit you know that's how international relations operate so nepal will play india against china because china can give them lot of benefits so they will play that uh, even sri lanka is doing that so that is fine you know i mean uh, i'm sure whatever they do on that count india's importance to them is still way 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 more important than what china's is so uh, they'll play that game and that's their uh, right and prerogative to play but look at india you know india is a big sized player it's not like sri lanka when india takes a stance it makes a big difference across the world you know so uh, that's why i mean just look at vaccine manufacturing for example right uh, that just show even in a manufacturing sector where india is not the best player in the world we still have certain sectors where india can actually make a difference Uh, to the world you know so uh, it, it, that's why i would put uh, sri lanka and india in different categories uh, and uh, yeah th- these will be challenges there are maldives is doing something sri lanka is doing something uh, to coach both india and china but i'm sure our uh, our foreign policy makers can play this game as well you know and uh, you you are seeing that already playing out uh, with bangladesh we are trying to close uh, uh, build closer ties and things like that you know so i i think we are uh, we can tide over i i am not so worried about uh, china being in this area india has the strength and the longevity to uh, play a positive role Thank you for being on the show Pranay and to our audience this show is all about asking questions about relevant topics and seeking informed answers if you would like to know more about any particular subject leave a comment here or send me a mail at sandhyaatraintreemedia.com you can also view the interview as a video on the raintree media youtube channel Until I'm back again with another interesting guest take care and bye bye